Amen. All right, so uh, I was going to uh, continue on in our series of Ezra and Nehemiah, but uh, as I was talking to several of the people who wanted to get baptized, I thought it may be and is appropriate to talk about baptism specifically. So with that said, we're going to take a brief pause, and we're going to read from Acts 8, 26 through 40, excuse me, uh, Philip. Uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. So if you are able to stand for the reading of God's word, I invite you to turn to Acts 8, verse 26, and we will read this together. Acts 8, verse 26, and it reads, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of, the Eth- of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kenic, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet of Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, How can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into his carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord had snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again and went on his way rejoicing. A brief prayer. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit that guides us and brings forth the word so we can understand. Just pray that you use me however you see fit. Whatever you want me to say, I say. Whatever you don't, I don't. We thank you again for the great gift of babies and for salvation in your son alone and for the gift of baptism. So, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Thank you for this beautiful morning. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may have a seat. So this morning we have this great privilege of watching people get baptized. Uh, One student, one girl got baptized last week so her parents could watch it. And then we have 10 more scheduled today. And if you've never been baptized and you are a believer in Christ, I invite you to come talk to me about that. And part of what I was thinking about and I was considering as I was preparing for the sermon, this message, is we've already had two baby dedications and I was excited for that. I was excited when they were born. And then as we started to announce that we were going to have our baptism service, the first week no one, no one signed up. And then in my great heart of mine, because I'm sensitive, I thought, oh man, why not? What's wrong with me? I didn't say what's wrong with you, notice. I said, what's wrong with me? Why don't people want to get baptized? And then next thing you know, one by one, people said, hey, we would like to get baptized. And and when I started talking to people specifically about baptism, I realized 
that out of the 10, there is a great group of different people with different backgrounds. Different people began to reach out and share their faith journey with me. Some have come from different faiths altogether. Some have been baptized in different churches. Some have never been baptized. Some have just accepted the Lord but a few weeks ago, months ago. Some have accepted Christ a long time ago but never got baptized because the church they were attending didn't put emphasis on baptism. Again, some people started to share that they were baptized in other churches that aren't Christian. And I'm not picking on this individual because actually three different individuals mentioned, hey, I was baptized or dedicated in this particular church. Does that disqualify me? Absolutely not. So while I was having these conversations with people, I started to consider how important it is to revisit baptism. And perhaps some of you who are visiting from other churches, you probably just talked about it last week. And for some, maybe you haven't heard it in a long time, and some, maybe it's just something that you heard of long ago. And today, the people who will get baptized, uh, some said that they got baptized as infants in various denominations. And again, as we consider what baptism is, my hope this morning is that we'll talk about baptism, what baptism is, what baptism isn't, and you're invited to be baptized. And also, we'll just take a look out of the 77 different scriptures. We're not going to look at all 77, don't worry, about baptism, about different people and their backgrounds. Because one thing that I notice over and over again, and I've been a pastor for a little while, is there's this great fear that some people have that they're not worthy to get baptized. Like They have to do something in order to be prepared to be baptized. Or even further, they have to do something to be made right to come before Christ. And to be clear, it is Christ and Christ alone who saves, not baptism. So over and over again, as I've been doing this for a while, it reminds me of the analogy that people use, that you're bleeding out and you need to go to the hospital, but before, you don't, you're so worried that you're going to be bleeding on the hospital table, you try to stitch yourself before you go. You don't have to be made right before you show up to Christ. So we're going to answer this question, hopefully, that the Ethiopian eunuch asked in verse 36. He said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? What a question. Why can't I be baptized? Or modernize it, am I allowed to be baptized? Can I be baptized? Should I be baptized? And again, with the people who are getting baptized this morning, with the varying backgrounds, I just thought that we would just take a quick peek about different people and what baptism is. But first, baptism is what it is and what it is not. Baptism is an outward expression of what Christ has already done in your heart. It's a public display saying, yes, I'm a follower of Christ because Christ alone saved me. Baptism, in another way, is the public acknowledgement of a person who has put their trust in Christ, who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have confessed their sins. Baptism is not what saves a person. It's Jesus Christ who saves them. And for some of you, if you're sitting here thinking, yes, I already know that, I, I bring that up only because I would challenge you that 
some people don't believe that. So whenever you're sharing your faith journey, make sure that you are sharing Christ. No one can interrupt your story. No one can say your story is false. But whenever you talk about baptism, make sure that you include baptism as a public display. And if it was about baptism, if baptism was what would save you, it would go backwards of what Scripture says. It would be works that you had to be saved. You would have to do something. You would have to get in the water. You would have to be baptized from something, which is not true. So throughout Scripture, when we read of someone getting baptized, most of the time you will see that people believe in Christ and then immediately get baptized. They believe and they get baptized. And throughout history, throughout the Protestant and even in Catholicism, there's been different ways of the approach of baptism. Here at Renew, that's why we have baby dedication and we don't do baby baptisms. Now, if you are here this morning and you were baptized as a baby, so was I. I was also baptized about eight times because anytime there's a baptism, I was a little unclear and I just wanted to jump in. We had baptisms at the beach. Ooh, I've never been baptized in salt water. Let me jump in. Oh, there's a jacuzzi. I've only been baptized in the pool. Let's jump in the jacuzzi. It was warm. I was confused and lost and I wasn't sure. But to be clear, I'm not making fun of you if you've been baptized as a baby. I'm not making fun of you if you've been baptized more than eight times than me. But here at Renew, we have baby dedications, and we don't baptize babies because we are excited, excited to celebrate children and affirm the parents and the congregation, all of you and friends, to continue to point the child to Christ with eager anticipation that one day when the child is older, they will accept God's free gift of salvation. Now, I'm not going to put a time on that, an age limit on that, I, I do know that uh, we have three children and growing up and your dad is a pastor. You want to get baptized when you're like one because you watch over and over again. Obviously, we didn't do that. But at that time, whatever that age is, when they say, I believe in Jesus Christ and I confess my sins. Now, there are other Christian denominations that baptize infants. And then later during their teenish years, they have classes called catechism. And that's not just a Catholic thing, that's a Protestant thing. And there are several pro Protestant denominations that do so. However, what's interesting that I found is baptism was always into the water, immersion. That's what baptismo means, the Greek word. But sometime around 1311, the Catholic Church began sprinkling babies. They did this because at a council of Vienna, they decided that it would be easier to throw some water on the babies instead of dunk them. Also in the 1300s, there was a crisis of water and they didn't want to waste it. And also, the babies may not have, or the people may not have taken a bath and they didn't want to pollute the water. So there was various reasons why and it just continued over. Now before we make fun of anybody or any denomination that does so, it's quite interesting that if you look back for those who have been a follower of Christ throughout their life, how many things have you done just because your church or denomination have done it? And then as you grow older, you look in Scripture and find that it's not quite lined up. I know for me, being baptized, like I mentioned, eight times, it's not in the Bible. It was just an emotional feeling, and I just wanted to go along with what other people were doing. 
And again, that, that word baptism means submerge, and, it, and it's such a powerful image that we will see and we'll talk. And here, I think perhaps part of the most difficult thing about being a follower of Christ who attends a church, which everyone should attend a church, a Bible-believing church, is to not include our experiences or our slants or our biases into what Scripture says. It's a challenge. And that's why today I would imagine that there are varying differences of baptism experience represented today. And there are those who have been, again, baptized as children who are people who were baptized last year, last week. There are those who were not allowed to be baptized until a specific age. There were those who had to be baptized into their denomination or into their church. There are those of you that had to give a public testimony. That was one of the things that almost everyone asked. Do I have to say anything out loud? And I said, no, because I'm hearing your testimony now, but at the water when we go down, I will ask if everyone believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Some of you had to write out letters of your conversion story and it be approved. And again, some of you have been baptized several times at camps and retreats. And you used baptism as a chance to rededicate your life. Some of you, perhaps sitting here, feel too guilty or shame to admit that you've been a Christian for a long, long time, have never been baptized, and now what would people say? I had one person a couple of years ago who said, I do not want to get baptized in front of anyone because I don't want people to know what I look like wet. That's new. But you could see the varying reasons. There's one girl in particular several years ago that a pastor friend of mine, she had a traumatic experience with water and was deathly afraid of water. So she said, can I do it another way? And I know I'm not going to cover all of them. You all have your own baptism story, hopefully. And for those of you who don't, perhaps today is your day. But regardless, to be clear, baptism is not what saves you. Christ is. And I know I've said that now four times, I think, if I'm keeping track. But I just need to emphasize that. And we also get baptized because it's what Christ did. So regardless of your background, let's just see what Christ did. And we are to get baptized because we are following in his footsteps. In Matthew 3, 13 and 17, when Jesus is baptized, it reads in verse 13 of Matthew 3, it says, Then Jesus went to Galilee, to the Jordan River, to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? That's a great question. If Jesus came and said, hey, will you baptize me? <laughs> Do you know who you are? And do you know who I am? But Jesus said in verse 15, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and setting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. See, this is when Jesus' public ministry comes full force on the scene. The first, these are the first works in his public ministry, carrying great meaning and example for us. No one made Jesus get baptized. In the 1700s, there was people who were uh, suggesting that the only reason Jesus got baptized 
to explain why someone who never sinned needed to get baptized is because Mary, his mom, made him, or his brothers and sisters made fun of him to do so. It's not true. At no point in Jesus' life did he do anything out of compulsion. He did everything in the will of his Father. And again, if you just imagine this scene when Jesus shows up, in Luke's account it says that John the Baptist baptizer who saw Jesus on the other side and said, look, that's who you need to follow. So what John was saying is, I need you, your spirit, more than you need water. And Jesus was saying, but I need to fulfill. The one great thing about Jesus is not only did he come and live a perfect life to be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, but he lived a life that we could follow and copy. Now, granted, we won't get it right, but he wasn't just our sacrifice for our sins. He was our example. And for Jesus getting baptized, it wasn't so that he would be made right. He was already right or become righteous. It was another step in his obedience. Jesus was identifying with the fallen and sinfulness of man that would ultimately be dealt with on the cross. cross Christ did not only come to save us of our sins, but to live that obedient life. And if you remember, Jesus came to feel, to experience, to live out the full weight of sin. Although he had not sinned, he became sin who knew no sin. Then God the Father opens up the heavens to publicly demonstrate that Jesus' baptism was not just like anyone else's in the sense of repentance, but a step to show us how to follow God. And now for us as followers of Christ, we get baptized in following in Christ's footsteps. And spoiler alert, not only should we follow Christ in his baptism, but we also need to follow him to the cross. And then we also need to follow him in, our de- in his death, death of self, and then in his resurrection to live again. Not only is a baptism again an outward expression of what Christ has already done in our heart, it also represents what Christ has done on the cross. Honestly, the, the water represents what Christ has done in our lives of the people who are getting baptized here today. It, it represents what Christ has already done in their lives and all of you here today who have accepted him. It's a visual representation. So later on in a little while when we get into the water, we are walking into the water as people who have already died. And then when we go under the water, we are being buried like Christ. And when we come out of the water, we are sharing in his resurrection. It's a beautiful sight. Now, I know some of you have been baptized three times forward, twice back, three times backwards, twice forward, one flip in the air or whatever, however you do it. We just simply go down and up. One person shared with me that one time when they got baptized, that their left foot hopped out of the water and was caught on film, so they had to go back to make sure those dirty toes were clean. But that's not what we're doing here. And I know that I joke, and no super young child is here. And I know I shared this at camp, or camp recap, that my youngest, when my middle daughter was getting baptized last year, my youngest asked, well, when you put her in the river, when do we go pick her up? She thought I was going to dip her in and let her go. We're not doing that this morning. But it's that representation that when we walk out into the water, we are dead in our sins. 
we are buried with Christ and we come again. It's a beautiful representation. And when we get into the water, we are no more or no less dirty than the next person or the person in front of us. I was trying to calculate in my head how many people has bat, were baptized in the river, and it was too hard for me to figure out. Not just in Renew, just in general, since the beginning of the Stanislaus River. And I would imagine that it's probably somewhere close to 100,000s of people getting baptized. Those people before us, those people today, and those people after us who will get baptized are no more dirty, are no more clean than each and every one of us. At the foot of the cross, it is an even playing field. The surface is even. Again, someone had mentioned that they waited to get baptized because they felt so unworthy and they were so sinful. And though, that, that they, and though they accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, they had not been living a life worthy. Not worthy. Let's just take a, just a quick moment to look at some of the people in their background that the Bible talks about who got baptized. And there is a good chance that there were others that we won't mention today. We read from the Ethiopian eunuch. It's interesting, we don't even know his name. We read of this man who had been allowed to be around certain ceremonies, but certain groups of people who were not. He was in Jerusalem to be part of one of the festivals, but he wouldn't have been allowed to go inside the temple to celebrate. But somehow he got his hands on a scroll of Isaiah, or perhaps he got the whole collection of the Old Testament. He was put in charge of all the money and all of the women because he was a eunuch and assumed to be trusted. When I read of this Ethiopian eunuch, I think of someone who is living a dualistic life. On one hand, he has all the money and comfort of the world. He's perhaps in the top ten of who's in charge in Ethiopia. And yet, at the same time, he would never be allowed to touch anybody or have the touch of anyone as a eunuch. He had everything but nothing. He was always around people but had no relationship. One who is lonely quietly, but outwardly seems to have the world. But despite being around people, he was always alone. And a man who had just been to the church or the temple, who had just gotten the Bible, the Old Testament, Isaiah, yet had so many questions, but no one to ask them. God brought someone to tell him, the good news, the gospel. He is welcome in God's house, although he wasn't welcome in the temple. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and baptism is for everyone. And he asked that great question, there's water, why can't I be baptized? Because for him, that question was, there's water, why not me? Am I allowed to? Everything else in this world tells me that I'm not to fit in, but can I be really welcome into God's family? And the answer is yes. Or perhaps Saul of Tarsus, his stories in Acts 9 and Acts 22. Imagine this. A man's chief purpose in life was to kill people who followed Christ. 
Perhaps not only the smartest person in his class, but perhaps the smartest person of his time. He was so zealous, so religious of his belief until he had an encounter with God. The man who was responsible for the deaths of hundreds of Christians and the arrest of thousands more now has accepted Christ, who goes on to perhaps be the greatest missionary of all time. I'm not suggesting anyone here has a life full of murder, but perhaps a life of crime, of secret crime. Or perhaps someone here this morning is, has been super zealous for the religious belief, but feels like their, their life's work dictates their spot in heaven. Like Paul, who worked so hard and who was so smart and who had a purpose was totally brought to his knees with his encounter to God. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and baptism is for everyone. Perhaps Cornelius, that story is found in Acts 10. Not only is Cornelius and the members of his household baptized, but he's a Gentile. And at this time, he was someone who followed God, yet he was rejected because he was not Jewish. A man who knew that God was calling to him, but just wanted someone to tell him about him. A man who had questions and no one to answer them as well. But he would not let rejection stop him from pursuing God until God got a hold of Peter's heart and said, you're allowed to hang out with Gentiles. Perhaps if we modernize this, this is the man or the woman here that has had difficulty with corporate worship or with the church who has been burnt or scorned or hurt by the church. Perhaps you're only here to witness a baby baptism or, excuse me, baptism or baby dedication. Perhaps you're here because you were asked to, you promised the lunch afterward, but you have no intentions of staying with a church. This Gentile, this Cornelius, did not let that stop him. And yet when Peter told him and touched him, and invited him in, and he came into his home. He not only presented the gospel to him, but he touched him and he called him brother, and he baptized him. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and baptism is for everyone. Lydia, Acts 16, she was a seller of purple in the city of Thyra, and unnamed and unknown named members of her household were also baptized. She was a well-known, wealthy lady who's probably single. We don't know if she was single by choice or she lost her husband or divorce. All we know is that she had an open heart and an open home. She was in a town where there was no temple, no Jewish temple, because there were not enough Jewish men to constitute a temple. But because she was faithful, she would go down to the river on every Sabbath, on every Sabbath to worship God. She was seeking God in a place that she did not fit in. She went to worship God and found salvation in Christ when the disciples found her there. The ground is level at the foot of the cross and baptism is for everyone. Two more. Crispus, perhaps someone that's unfamiliar to some of us. He was a chief ruler of the synagogue. He was Jewish. In Acts 18 and 1 Corinthians 1, Christmas, he was part of a church that had been warned several times repeatedly over and over again, publicly and in letters about division in the church. And what was the church arguing about? Who had the cooler pastor? 
who had the better worship? Who did it right? Yet, despite the arguing, despite the fact that he was a, a Jewish leader, despite the division within the church, he was baptized because he knew his, his salvation was in Christ and wanted to follow in his footsteps. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and baptism is for everyone. And perhaps my favorite story of baptism story is the jailer, the Philippian jailer who is also unnamed, and his family, who becomes believers and are baptized from Acts 16. A jailer, perhaps, this man was ex-military and he worked hard and he was known for his hard work. And his model may have been one that some of us have. Work harder and smarter. Get the job done. A military man who took his job seriously and felt his self-worth was in everything that he did in his performance. He felt that the best part of his life was working hard and the results and the rewards. He was tasked for watching the two Christian men in jail. At that time, it was the Roman law that if you were the jailer and your prisoners escaped, you were put to death. And in order to not be shamed by being put to death, you could commit suicide. Well, the story goes on in Acts 16 that all of a sudden a great earthquake and the cages and the doors were open up and he ran in and did not see them at first and at that moment he was moments away from taking out his sword and committing suicide moments for before taking his life and then he hears from peter don't kill yourself we're still here immediately he asked what must i do to be saved a man who went from moments to taking his own life to a moment of having full life in Christ. Perhaps someone here is struggling with depression or anxiety or unworthiness, or perhaps some of us are still trying to work out our salvation by being good enough, doing well, performing right, getting accolades, getting pat on the back. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and baptism is for everyone. So with that in mind, as we consider what baptism is as the outward expression of what Christ has already done in our heart, we read throughout the Bible several different people of different backgrounds, and I only touched on just a few of them. So as we just quickly look at Acts 8 again when, with, with the Ethiopian, and he's reading through Isaiah, and he reads the account of Christ's death that was predicted several hundred, 900 years before his actual death. And he was reading it, and he had so many questions. And in verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was this a prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, there is some water. Why can't I be baptized? So he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him because he believed. So this morning I invite everyone and anyone, if you've been baptized, to recall the time you were baptized and remember what Christ has already done in your heart. For some of you who have not accepted Christ as your Savior, perhaps today is the day. For those of you who have accepted Christ but have not been baptized, I welcome you. No one cares what you look like wet. 
No one cares that you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years and you haven't been baptized. No one cares. Again, baptism is the immersion of water to be like Christ in his death and his resurrection. It's simply a reminder, an outward expression of what Christ has already done in your heart. I'm going to pray for us. We are going to have two more songs and I'm going to come back up and close. And at that time, those who are getting baptized, if you'd hurry and get dressed, we'll wait for you. Don't worry. And then we'll make our way in about 30, 40 minutes from now down this path and get baptized. You are all welcome to celebrate with us. I will take your public confession. I will ask those who are getting baptized if you believe that Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior to confess your sins for the forgiveness of sin. If you say yes, then we will get baptized. Again, you're all invited. And throughout this message, if you've been thinking, maybe I want to get baptized, but I haven't told him yet, I would love to talk to you about it. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the reminder that the ground is level at the foot of the cross and that baptism is for everyone. Lord, we thank you for this gift of salvation through your Son. Lord, we know that we are sinners saved by grace. Lord, I specifically pray for anyone who is waiting to get things in order or get things right before they come to you. Or for those who've come to you to believe, to confess their sin, that has not been baptized, that today is the day. I pray for anyone who's already been baptized and needs to rededicate their life to you, that it's been a while walking with you. It's not necessarily a issue of salvation, but an issue of holiness, of a surrendered life. Lord, you, you promised us that this world, we would have trouble, but fear not, you have overcome the world, and you have done that by dying on the cross. You lived a perfect life to be the perfect sacrifice to atone at that moment the forgiveness of all sin. So Lord, we are reminded that it was your body that was broken for us on the cross, that it was your blood that was shed that washed away our sins. And Lord, we thank you for that gift. And again, Lord, we pray for those babies who were dedicated, Emily and Tyson. We thank you for their life. And we're excited many years from now when we get to witness their baptism because they put their faith and trust in you. We thank you again for the gift of salvation. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.